0: This is Shepherd Ferry, and you're listening to The Dukan Show. You'll check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere.
1: But I prefer to be now cast third culture kids where the concept of the Dukan is the, the corner shop where the oh, shop. We are live outside. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, Nation? It's the revolution of expression. you tuned in to The Dukan Show. Stay tuned in. Our Arab digital generation is shaping their identity,
2: their creative expression, and their futures. So please give a very warm welcome. The Dukan, the, Dukan, the, Dukan, the Dukan.
1: Welcome to your tribe. Yeah, great. So right. we're recording on both, so I made sure the gains and levels are good. Um so to give you a quick brief about our show while we since we're here early, um, Tukan literally means a bodega. So it's like we're kicking it by the bodega stoop and we, you know, just have a chat. Uh, we obviously came prepped with a few questions. Um it's uncensored. Feel free to express yourself as in any way you'd like.
2: They okay. want
0: you to swear. <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, it, it's sort of my, part of my natural way of, of speaking. And yeah. last night when I, you know, said bullshit and this and that, I thought, uh-oh, I hope I'm not offending anyone here. It's just that to me that, you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, just hard to control. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, when I do a radio interview and I know that I can't swear, I'm more, it top, sort of but, but, goes away.
2: The swear word goes somewhere else. But yeah, yeah. our show, luckily, uh, gives you all the freedom. And okay. I think Great. that was Great. one of the things uh, when we've spoken. Uh, Mayor says hello, by the way. Carlos has said hello oh, to you nice. the entire community. He's sent yeah. his love. And one of the things he said, he, he reminds us about is making space. So our show is very much about taking space and, and making space. And right. so right. Um, I guess my first question is prefaced by... Artists in the UAE are censored. We self-censor. We've lived in an environment. We've only just begun to realize, okay, maybe we can say what we need to say, but very few spaces, as you've experienced, are owned by us, by right. the artist. Right. So how, I guess, just advice, how do? How would you imagine we can navigate this? Do you have any advice? Because you've been through this.
0: Well, you know... When I was younger, I always thought that um, pushing back against the status quo with you know with with very provocative defiance was a better representation of of you know authenticity or integrity. But what I've realized as as I've gotten older and I, I think I've gotten smarter about understanding how to work both outside and inside the system, I've realized that, most change is very incremental. And mm. if you can't move that small amount, then you don't get to the big amount eventually. And so when so many people are driven by fear, it's really important to try to find ways to move things in the direction you want without creating a fear that's going to be counterproductive. And yes. so um, challenging people with ideas is something I want to do with my work all the time, but. Sometimes I, I want I want some, someone to feel that what I'm doing is inviting or seductive and or beautiful, any number of things that draws in a viewer. And then when they are starting to digest some of the details, it's too late. They've got something that they have to chew on yes. in the mix as well. When it comes to how to deal with a, a place like this, I you know, I think that using diplomacy to warm the, you know, all the bureaucrats up to the value of, of creative culture and expression, it actually ends up, um, it actually ends up making people happier. It's good societal therapy. Yes. And so when you, you know, this is my opinion, I'm quite biased towards art, obviously, (laughs) and the, and the, the, um, all the, the strengths and, and, and benefits to society of art, but. I really think when people have creative uh, outlets in what they they make and what they consume, they tend to have less pent up aggression and and rage over powerlessness, and um, and feel a better connection to their fellow human beings. And that's part of the problem. Is try you know what, tribalism is mostly based on superficiality. And whether I'm talking about what's going on in U.S. politics right now or probably any number of the things here that I'm not qualified to comment on. If you can figure out how to get past those superficial barriers, you can really make headway. So um, this is not that I've become more of a, a, of a of a compromiser in my old age. It's because I've become more of a tactician.
2: Mm, absolutely. And I think we need, so we're sitting in the hotbed right now in the Middle East where the revolutions that we've seen on the news in the past Three, four, five years have been revolutions by the youth yeah. demanding the future that they are owed. And so when I hear that, I'm like, yes, we need to be more tact, we need to be more tactful and tactile in our approach. And art could possibly solve that, you know?
0: Well, our art does help to create a conversation that um you know, might not happen. Uh, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of different forms of media that make people just dig their heels in and get you know get defensive and and hostile. Um, you know, and and art art sometimes can get through. Uh, and and so I'm not saying it's it's always the magic ingredient, but I'm I definitely think it can be an important ingredient. And um, you know, it, it, it's I'm I'm. It's what I do for a living. It's what I, I do for fun. It's, it's my whole life, really, art. Right. Like, that's, that's what I spend all my time doing. And then, but it's not the only, aesthetics aren't the only thing I'm interested in. I'm interested in a lot of what's going on socially and politically in the world. And so the way that, say, you know, a, a band or, you know, a hip-hop group or Bob Marley might weave in some of their social commentary and their beliefs. I'm, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to make it all a very, um, accessible, relatable, um, package that people can see how, um, you can have escapism and engagement all in, in, in one program where, and, and that, you know, and a healthy balance of, of the two, there's a, you know, there's a, There's a dichotomy or a relationship that allows people to feel like as they tackle the problems in the world, it doesn't have to just be a chore. It can actually be blended with something really uh, joyful and creative. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm going for.
1: Definitely. I think we do see that quite a lot as a form of expression in this part of the world because, you know, as what Reem was saying earlier, what people are fighting for is just basic human rights, the right yeah. to go to school, the right for education, to live safely, and, you know, to to that, it, in some ways it's escapism, because that's where you go to express yourself, and in other ways it's a commentary on what's happening, you're trying to shed light on and educate other cultures, or the communities, or the nation, or even internationally at large, to let them know what's, being, what's happening in these spaces, and, and that's something, you know, we... we That's why we have we make space, and we have this open door policy of we try to showcase and bring as many people through our doors as possible to talk about these pieces. Um, And I think for a lot of the Arab kids and the BIPOC community of the Middle East, um, there's a challenge of dismissiveness sometimes because you know, um, unlike I think in the U.S. where concepts, narratives like racism. Are necessary and are being had, and everybody acknowledges its history. Here, sometimes that is dismissed. Like, no, we that doesn't happen. We're not racist. So, I think, in a way, what I'm trying to come to is how can how can these kids find a, um, a different way to capture people's attention to have these um, conversations? How, what kind of advice would you have for them in the way they express themselves?
0: Well. You know, sometimes I do think it's important to call out villains and whether, you know, that's um, abusive authority or racist, um, you know, that saying, acknowledging that there's a problem is important. But one of the things I, I've noticed is that when when people feel defensive, they're far less likely to change their mindset. So what I've been really striving for with a lot of my work, and you can probably see it around this gallery, is taking a group that's been, you know, pushed to the to the margins frequently, or disempowered in some way, uh, disparaged in some way, and presenting them with an un, uh, you know, with an undeniable humanity and dignity that allows the the person who's narrow minded to or allows or forces the person that's narrow-minded to see them as equal and to see them as relatable. And um, I, you know, I think that the, it's a it's a balance between finding a, a door in emotionally and then hitting people with some of the some of the intellectual side of the argument that um, that's persuasive. And um, you know, I use I use portraiture, but I also use statistics about. Um, you know, people color the, you know, the rate at which they're killed by the police when unarmed, incarcerated, the the bias in media portrayals, that sort of thing I'll weave in. But I know that I can't, that can't be the first thing. Um, it, it has to be something that once somebody already feels emotionally invested in the piece, and it's going to be hard for them to throw that away, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> <laughs> then they get to the other stuff. But, you know, I, I mean, one thing that I think is important for me to say is that um, I'm going through all this stuff, uh, you know, with trial and error. I'm not, I'm not an, uh, you know, I don't claim to be a psychologist or an expert on, on anything. I feel like I, um, you know, I've gotten to know aspects of, 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 of how people are from, one place to another, and then sometimes the specific idiosyncrasies that are in a place. Um, and and I, you know, I'm I'm always trying to learn and make sure that when I'm when I'm addressing these things, I'm not doing it clumsily or recklessly. But um, but part of it is that you know creators have to have the courage to do what they believe, and then if it's not exactly right, to then course correct and keep going and have the courage to keep going because a lot of people when they get uh when they get attacked for what for for what they putting what they believe in out in the world then um they just don't want to do it anymore because it's it's too it's too painful but really um what i what i've tried to convince myself and other people is that a lot of times when people are they, they're feeling guilty about being complacent or apathetic about injustice in the world. Their reaction is to try to attack the messenger that's, that's saying there needs to be more consciousness uh, that's forcing them to address their own conscience and their own guilt. And so that says more, the reaction says more about the viewer than it does about the creator. So um, yeah, I applaud anyone who has, you know, the, the, the courage to be vulnerable by expressing their ideas, and then, um, you know, putting it out there and dealing with how people react.
2: The it's it's the ultimate rejection in some ways, but it's the remedy that we need. You know, it, it's the remedy and 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 it's it's the balm that we need to figure things out. Right, a career like yours, one one in a billion, and one in billions. I I don't think that you know there are many other artists that. I know that I ha- I've grown up with that I look at and I say, no, this has been impactful. the work has been impactful through I'll, I'll look at some of the Andre the Giant work and think of my I feel my teen angst kind of rising. <laughs> I'm like, oh there oh there she is and you know the, and the women and and you know I, you, you put women in your work so often that I I found likenesses that were not li- like me, but I found revolution in them. so. I guess a young, you know, really young me wants to thank you for that. Because I don't think I, I was walking in the streets of Toronto and I would see it and I'm like, oh, there she is. You know, there she is. A, a gentle reminder to just never, never, ever concede. Um, so I, a history, a career like yours, when, when we hopefully get to that, to that space, what matters now? What matters to you? What are you afraid of? What, it, you know?
0: I'm afraid of a lot of things. I'm just as insecure as anyone, but, um, I'll tell you, uh, when people ask me about fear and insecurity, uh, what I think of is I, I, I think, um, sure. I'm always, I'm always afraid that all these things I believe in, um, will not manifest in the way I want, or that, you know, as a species, we're not on the right path and I can't do enough. But, um, but for for all of that, I remain, you know, and all the dark things that happen in the world, I, I I remain optimistic that every every action matters, and um, and and you know the the ability to just be, you know, be resilient within uh, a very chaotic world, and to keep and to keep making things. That's um. Uh, that's reassuring for me. I've, I, you know, I've figured out how to make art my, you know, my therapy and my tool. So, um, and I, I mean, it's miraculous to me that I make a very good living making art because I never thought that would be possible, but that's empowered me to use some of the money I make and, you know, and my megaphone to shine light on things I think are uh you know, important that people aren't paying enough attention to. And when I think about um, how power and capital work, I wish more people with my mindset had those resources. So sometimes it it hurts my feelings a lot when people say, "That guy, he's just he's just a rich guy." I'm I'm a successful business person. That that rechannels my resources into things that I think are really important, not just for me, but for the world, or for or for the person that I was twenty five years ago when I was broke and didn't have opportunities. So, you know, all of that is is driving me. And how um, how a lot of my ideas will will look visually is always changing because. The, uh, you know, I'm learning new things. New things are happening in the news cycle. So there's about five themes that I'm dealing with. It's, you know, racism, sexism, xenophobia, abuse of authority, respect for the environment, uh, the need for democracy to function better. And yet, um, for those few things, and, I don't love art empowerment. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. peace. Um, the, you know, so the, maybe there's seven themes. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they still... Um, they 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 are manifested in many many different ways in different pieces and yet i think all my, all of my work is recognizably mine yeah. but um but it's that challenge of sort of you know i called the show future mosaic of continuing to build out the mosaic mm-hmm. where it's recognizable as a whole picture as well as each tile being recognizable and um i mean i couldn't be more fortunate to have the personal liberty to you know, be creative for a living and, and, um, and, and earn enough money to take good care of my family. Um, there's not really much more I could ask for other than, um, for, for some of the people that I reach with my art to actually open their hearts and their eyes to what I'm trying to say. and And instead of just treating it as a commodity, actually, Maybe share in some of the vision and and, and some of the effort <laughs> Absolutely. that's it definitely Absolutely. I think that that's wonderfully said. so we, we had a few
1: a bunch of questions from earlier as well um, talking about um, conspicuously consumptive as well um, as a form of dissent how do you tackle tension between being an artist that reflects the cultural zeitgeist and also the commodification of your art like there's a very interesting Beautiful tension and dance in there as well.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I was I was in college when I realized that um, as much as I thought that a lot of um, you know trend driven consumer culture was was silly that. Um, it's it's the language a lot of people speak, and so when I when I did the original, Andre the Giant has a posse campaign, and I wrote my manifesto for one of my college classes. Some people read it and they said, "Yeah, you know, this is a really this is a really interesting concept. You should apply for a grant to try to scale this con- <clears throat> scale this concept." And um, I listened to that advice, and then I thought, "What's actually a more authentic?" materialization of this concept. It's if people like it enough to part with a few bucks for a t-shirt or a sticker, because to them, if they're willing to spend money on a signifier, that's actually, that shows it matters to them. And it's not, that's not me trying to justify selling stuff. It was just me really understanding how even my punk rock and skateboard friends, a new skateboard video comes out, a new... Shoe drops from somebody, and people are like, "That is how I show people this is the culture I care about." And yep. they wouldn't, they wouldn't ever consider it. Um, you know, I'm a label whore, or I'm, you know, or, or I'm trendy, because this is cool counterculture stuff that doesn't count the same. But really, it is it all does. the same. Um, but I figured that okay, if I can participate in and critique. Aspects of capitalism simultaneously, and try to um, try to do it in a way that uh, that doesn't look hypocritical and makes people think, um, you know, that's really the best I can do because this is the system that we that we live in, and um, and so I've made images uh, about conspicuous consumption um, that when I and I sell them, and it says in the release. I understand that it's ironic or seems contradictory or hypocritical that I'm selling this. If you are only buying this as a trophy or something that you think makes you look cool, reconsider. Consider spending your money on something that's more genuinely meaningful. If you find it genuinely meaningful and it's a message that you want to share with other people, okay, I, I buy it. But but think twice. Don't just, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> don't just, don't just buy it without thinking. And yet I still, of course, even, even with that sort of qualification, I get attacked. But it, it's, it's uh, and then when I make, I put something up that is a, is a street art piece or something that um, is an older painting that's no longer available, people get really mad at me because they can't buy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And and, yeah. and so there's the you know yeah. you, when you look at the world it's quite complicated and sometimes these contradictions exist within within people somebody that that's like that guy's a sellout it's like oh wait but I'd like to buy that one print why won't yeah. he allow me to buy it you know and 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 so I'm I'm navigating all that um, and and trying to trying to just articulate the complexities of it in a lot of what I'm doing. And, you know, as Victoria knows very well, um, always finding ways that there's a, you know, a, a, an integrated connection between the topics I'm talking about and where some of the money is going. Right. So if I'm talking about campaign finance reform, then there's an organization for that. Climate change or environmental protection, I have about three or four different organizations I work with. Racism. I've you know I've worked with Black Lives Matter, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, who else? Souls I mean, a lo- to the polls. yeah, Souls of ACLU. the Polls. A lot. Of, oh yeah, mm-hmm. ACLU's Immigrant Rights Program. It, so, um, I know that if at least if somebody if if somebody buys a print and they're only doing it because they think they're gonna they can make money flipping it on eBay or they just like the aesthetics and they don't care about the cause, at least their money, whether they intend it or not, is actually going to the cause. The so peace represents contributing. a yeah. portion of it. And um, and yeah, and I can hope that even if they um, were not genuine at that stage, that actually, you know, um, over time there can be an osmosis that the ideas slowly sink in. <laughs> and so I, I hope that, I mean, I know it works because I've had enough people say, like yeah, you know, in high school I got into your stuff because it was, because because it was like you know the fly gear, the you know the dope or whatever, and and but then like I actually started to look at more of what you were doing, and now I'm really into the ideas in your art, and I'm like, that's amazing, um, because otherwise you know there's a zillion different clothing brands, and and they you know they could get any of them, and uh, not that I have anything against. Tommy Hill figure, but is it going to, is that going to actually make them think about, um, some, some of these social and political issues, the right. way, you know, the way that my brand can you know lead somebody into that conversation. So, um, yeah, I try to, I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find ways to reconcile all these things and it's, it's not always easy and, yeah. you know, s- stuff like the, uh, fair labor. You know, we work with a lot of fair trade factories with my, with my clothing line. And it means that some of the garments are a little bit more. We also do a lot of um, sustainable cotton with no, no, uh, no chemicals. And yet a lot of the retailers are like, yeah, we don't want that because there's no market for it. So Mm. asking them to take some of the stuff that um, where, you know, there is a clear ethical effort beyond what most clothing brands do to see whether their consumers, if given the opportunity to make it, you know, make that choice, will choose that. And then often they're, you know, they're pleasantly surprised. They're like, Oh, it actually made a real big difference to people, but it takes a lot of work because mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the people don't understand how, you know, it, it, it Woven into the retail system, a lot of bad ideas yeah. are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're preaching,
1: you're preaching. to the choir. Like, uh, sorry. I feel like it's one of those things we we constantly deal with. Because, um, thankfully, we the work that we have done over the past few years, we sit at this right on the edge between business and culture and trying to really understand how to connect them together and what are the ways that actually benefits. So, you know, you were talking about skateboard culture and hip hop culture and and obviously street art as well. And what are the roles that it all plays together? We're like, how do you get them to think differently or or look at the world in a different way and understand macro issues as -hmm. much as micro Mm -hmm. issues and, you know, understanding that you know what, we're not just gonna take this to sell more sneakers, but actually there's a statement there, a socio political, a socioeconomical, something that is brewing that needs to be that have light shed on it. And we do our best to constantly, you know, we're using that as a megaphone and we're trying to hold the light at the same time to yeah. showcase what's going yeah, on and yeah. around the world in the world around us. Yeah.
0: But you know, I, I think it, it's um, it's nothing to be apologizing about to say that people are you know um, people like to to feel happy with the coolness of what they're wearing how they're presenting themselves and that that doesn't make them bad people it's just that you can actually bring something deeper into that mix as well and you know you know people are, are multi-dimensional multifaceted so um, what I'm always looking for is sort of, Ways to combine all of it, uh, so so that it, it, you know, it's it's healthier. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: And uh, you know, rather you know, rather than um, being dismissive of people who um, don't think about all these issues in the same way I do, I'm trying to trying to find every avenue to bring them in. Yeah, I,
1: I think it, it's one of those things where, um, yes, it's cool. And it's attractive, but there's a deeper narrative and a larger purpose yeah. behind it. And yeah. that's what we try to shed light to.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah.
2: One last question. Um, we keep saying that. Well, I know. <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> this is a fully finally the last question. Um, what what high school did you go to?
0: Well, I went to three high schools. Right. Um I went to a very preppy conservative private school called Porter Gowd in Charleston, South Carolina, which is the same school that Stephen Colbert went to. Yeah. Then um, then I did public school for two years in, in, in Charleston, um, which I really liked, but my parents didn't. Um, and then I did a year of art boarding school in I- Idlewild, California, which is about two hours outside of LA. Um, and the art school experience was life-changing for me. Yeah. Um, because my my teachers, both my academic teachers and my art teachers, treated me like a peer with less experience rather than a subordinate. Yes, and I'd never, I'd never been treated like that by any teachers, and um, I, you know, I flourished in that environment because I felt like. Um, I didn't your have voice, an adversarial relationship. Your
2: voice mattered. Yeah, exactly. That you had one and that had a seat I, exactly. at
0: the table. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I have the perspective of all three of, of those schools. And, uh, yeah, you know, there was um, um, a lot of struggle with my parents when I was in high school, a lot of battles with my parents, but ultimately— um, things things worked out okay.
2: <laughs> so that's how you make a shepherd fairy, I guess. You put him in, you know what I mean? You put him in school where a political ground can be formed, a political, yeah. you know, opinion can be made. Public school, so you know where the feelings are, Where yeah, yeah. what happens when you don't care about, you know, why every business needs a triple bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And then and finally an art, an art school to give you a voice yeah. and be unafraid to unequivocally own that voice. And that's, That's thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Sure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for kicking it with us today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast at to stay up to date with all our conversations. Also, if you don't mind, hit us with the five-star rating, leave a comment, let us know how you feel about the show. That way, it could also help others find the show. And be sure to share it with your friends and family, whoever you think can benefit from it. You can holla at us on all social media platforms at the Can Show. We'd love to hear from you, or you can drop us an email to hello at thecanmedia.com. Sana.